have a Bible with you tonight, it would be great if you could turn with me to the 12th chapter of John's Gospel. Not the letter of John, of course, doesn't have 12 chapters, but the Gospel of John certainly does. And uh, John chapter 12, verse 27 through to 33. so much Mary. John chapter 12 verse 27. Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. In 1907, Winston Churchill, aged 39, was on a tour of Africa with his friends and with his uh, servant. He was a, a well. He was the son of a, uh, a lord, of course, wasn't he? And uh, he was travelling through Uganda, and then they travelled on up through to Egypt. And when they came to Egypt, uh, it was near the time of of Christmas and uh, Churchill and his friends, they had a a meal together. At least they thought it was a a beautiful meal together, but unfortunately there was poison in the meal. And one of the servants died, a man by the name of Scrivings. And Churchill said for 48 hours they were all sat there worrying. (laughs) Because they'd all eaten the same food. And who else would die? Well, actually no one else did die apart from that one man. But he was worried that they were all going to die, as that man had done at that time. And when he found that he was going to survive after the 48 hours of concern was over, he wrote to his mother and he said, I suppose there is some work then. For me to do. (laughs) And of course we know that there certainly was a work for him to do, wasn't there? He was to be the Prime Minister to lead Britain during the war. And I believe actually that was an appointment by God. He was the man God raised up for that hour. Well here in the Gospel of John we come to the hour of the Lord Jesus' life, if we can put it like that. Now that's not to say the Lord Jesus' life wasn't precious and valuable all the way through, but this was his hour he had come for. And it was the hour of the cross. And this was the time when Jesus was getting ready to go and die 
for our sins. And these words here in John chapter 12 are the last public words Christ spoke to the nation of Israel. After this, after verse 30, uh, verse 36, there's no more public uh, message to Israel. And what follows then is Jesus' private ministry in the upper room to his disciples uh, in chapters 13 through to 15. And these are his last public words, and they reveal the hour of his cross. He had just been pronounced the king at the triumphal entry, but Jesus didn't accept the crown at that time because the leaders didn't accept him, and he didn't accept the crown. Instead, he accepted the cross. And he started his journey at this point in this last section through to die for our sins. It's a remarkable piece of scripture. John's gospel doesn't have Gethsemane in it the same way the other gospels do. But this gospel does reveal these words which show the Lord Jesus preparing himself, his disciples and even those around for what was ahead. It was the great climax of his life. Do you know, I read a remarkable thing that in Bolivia there is a plant called a Paya Raimondi plant which takes up to 150 years to blossom and as soon as it blossoms it dies that that blossom is the climax of its life and existence that's what it was for and this is what the lord jesus came for he came for this hour for the cross and so i want us to see tonight the hour of the cross see this great moment uh, in the lord jesus life as he reveals it here in these words in verses 27 through to 33 that we may appreciate the greatness of this moment and appreciate what our lord jesus christ has done for us i want us to see four things first of all the hour of the cross was the hour of destiny for christ it was the hour of destiny Verse 27, he says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. This was the hour of destiny which the Lord Jesus had been working towards in his life. And the Lord Jesus said this many times over in the days before dying on the cross in different ways. In Mark chapter 10 verse 45, he said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is why Jesus came. He said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. If you listen to his sense of purpose in that verse and many other times in different ways in parables and teachings Christ showed this was his purpose this was his destiny and he said this was the purpose for which I had come and uh, this is why the Lord Jesus when the moment comes and he senses the dread of the cross he doesn't turn away from it he says in verse 27 my soul is troubled and the word troubled there in Greek is a word for a deep stirring and a troubling. It's used in the, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint in David's Psalms when David is in distress. And although the Lord Jesus is not seen weeping uh, in, in Gethsemane in the same way as we see him in other uh, Gospels, we do see him troubled here. And he says that this is exactly what he's feeling. And yet he says, not what shall I do, but what shall I say? 
He realises there's a response that's called for him. Will he pray, God, I don't want to do it? No, he won't. He says, Father, save me from this hour? No, he says, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. He didn't ask to be saved so that we could ask to be saved. He came for this purpose. This was his hour of destiny. And at this moment we see so many things coming together. At this moment we see the fulfilment of prophecy coming together. All the strands of history where the prophets spoke from the beginning, way back in the book of Genesis, right the way through to the time of Malachi. All the prophets were speaking, predicting the coming of the Christ and the coming of his son, God's son to come and die for us and be our saviour. Prophecy was being fulfilled at this moment. And like a grand central station where all the trains come in, all the, all the uh, prophecies about Christ were being fulfilled in this last moment of Christ's life. It's fascinating to see how Christ fulfilled prophecy. So many prophecies were fulfilled over the 33 years. But you know, most of the prophecies were fulfilled in the last week. And even then, most of the prophecies were fulfilled in the last three days. It's a moment of, moment of destiny and all the prophecies are coming together. It's a moment when the requirements of the law are all coming together to be met. And uh, all the things that the law requires would be fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ in this moment. And the Lord Jesus came to provide salvation as well as fulfill prophecy and this was his moment he came for that he may rescue his people and redeem them and save them this was his purpose he came that he may be our savior satan couldn't stop him historically was an amazing thing if you look through the old testament you see the devil tried to stop jesus again and again stop tried to stop him at the time of the flood by the angels falling and the seed being polluted by the angels that came down trying to pollute the seed promise given to adam and eve then he tried to destroy all the babies in egypt and then he tried to destroy the jews in the days of haman in the book of esther right the way through but he couldn't do it even when the Lord Jesus was a baby, he was more powerful than the devil. Do you realise Herod tried to kill the baby Jesus and he couldn't do it? Jesus couldn't be stopped. And historically, Satan couldn't stop him coming from this hour. Simon Peter couldn't stop him. Simon Peter, when he heard about Jesus going to the cross at one time, said, Not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. And mistakenly, Simon Peter tried to stand in his way. But Jesus overcame that too. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do, isn't it? To overcome the people you love and respect to do what you've got to do. And the Sanhedrin couldn't stop him either. They'd been scheming against Jesus all this time, trying to disrupt his purpose and his work, but they couldn't do it. And so now this moment had come, this hour of destiny, when Christ came to die for us. What a remarkable thing this is to stop and realise that the cross is the fulfilment of Christ's purpose for this hour. I came to this hour. Like Esther, who in the Old Testament said, you know, it was said to, it was said to her by Mordecai, her uncle, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for this hour. And the Lord Jesus could say, I have come for this hour. This is my moment. 
and he came to fulfill this destiny in the cross. What an amazing moment it is. Let's glory in the, in the determination of the Saviour to go there, to overcome every hurdle. You know, some of us can't even get over the, the hurdles to come to church, can we? <laughs> you know, sometimes we lack the determination to come to a prayer meeting. But the Lord Jesus overcame every hurdle to go to the cross to be our saviour. What a wonderful thing that is. Then secondly, we see it's an hour of glory. And this is a strange thing, isn't it? Uh, To talk about glory when we're talking about the cross. But Jesus said this in verse 28. He prayed, Father, glorify your name. What was he talking about there? He was talking about the cross and he was asking God to be glorified in Jesus' death. On the cross. Now, glory is what this is all about at this time. If you turn over to chapter 13, you'll see in verse 31 and 32, this is something he said to the disciples in the upper room. It says, So when he, that's Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him. Immediately, And then if you go on to chapter 17, that great high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus, which he prayed before going to the cross in private, he said, Jesus spoke these, these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. There we have it again. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. The cross was the hour of of glory, the hour when the Lord Jesus was going to glorify his Father. And in saying those words, Father, glorify your name, Jesus was saying, I accept this call, I accept this destiny, I accept this, this commission and fulfill this task of going to die for the sins of the world. For this purpose I have come. And uh, when the Lord Jesus said that prayer, just such a, an amazing prayer of four words, Then we read in verse 28, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now this is an amazing thing. God the Father spoke audibly from heaven. You know the Lord God of heaven spoke three times in Jesus' life publicly for everybody to hear. The first time was at the beginning, which was when Jesus was baptised in the river And uh, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Then the second was towards the end, but more in the middle as we would say. And that was the Mount of Transfiguration when they heard the voice on the mountain. And the third time is here. Now if you're a Jewish person, that would be bells ringing in your head. Because uh, they said in, in the uh, old Jewish traditions that the voice of God stopped with the prophets and would never be heard again until the Messiah came. And so here, and I can't remember what they call it, they call it something like the Barkot or something like that. But here, the voice of God is heard from heaven again. And everybody hears it. Jesus prays publicly, Father glorify your name. And God the Father says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. In other words, the Lord Jesus' life in the past has brought me glory and it will bring me glory when he dies on the cross. 
And that was a remarkable thing that the people had to hear. And Jesus said it was for their sake. In fact, verse 29, it says, Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? They realise when, when something supernatural happens, very often you have two responses. You have somebody who tries to put a naturalistic response on it and said, oh, it was just the thunder. <laughs> Try and explain it away. It's so typical of human beings, this, doesn't it? God does something. Oh, we can explain that. It was thunder. And others put a spiritual thing Thing on it but they, they don't dare put it on the real thing so they put it on the wrong thing they say an angel spoke to him but Jesus said this voice did not come because of me but for your sake he wanted them to know that this is not uh, he wasn't going to die because of his sins or because he had done wrong but he was fulfilling God's plan to be our saviour and to bring God glory you know, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, to think of the cross in terms of this. And we might ask ourselves, how was God going to be glorified in Jesus' death? Because we don't think of the cross, naturally speaking, as being glorious. We think of it as, as being hideously cruel and ugly and uh, brutal. How can God be glorified in that? I'll tell you how God was glorified in it. He was glorified in the fact that his righteous law met its demands and he was satisfied with the punishment of sin and he was seen to be just you know I've got a children's talk I'm waiting to put together uh, as soon as I can find a suitable illustration to show children a judge and say now if he's a good judge what should he do should he let this person go free and they'll all say no 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 and say a good judge won't let people go free if they've done wrong will they but God has to be a good judge he can't let us go free and therefore sin has to be punished and at the cross Sin is punished and God is seen to be righteous in the punishment of sin and he is glorified. But as Romans 3 says, he's seen not only to be just or righteous, he's seen to be the justifier. He's seen not only to be righteous, he's seen to be merciful because he also provides a way of salvation by his son's death. And Jesus not only satisfies God's justice on the cross, but he provides mercy for us for salvation too. So God is glorified in these two things. He seemed to be righteous and to be merciful, to be just and the justifier of those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a, an amazing thing. And you know what? We also need to be those who say, I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. You know, it's a, it's a, a thing in the world that, that the people in the world would probably, if they stopped and thought about it, they would realise how bizarre it is. You would never wear around your neck or put up in your home or put on the cover of a book a gas chamber. You would never wear around your neck a hangman's noose. Those are all instruments of execution. You would never hang around your neck an electric chair. So why do you hang around your neck a cross? Why? It's because it's the glory of the cross. It's this God's saving way for us and the way in which 
we find salvation through Christ. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should boast, that, that is to say that I should glory, as I think it says in the NIV, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be those who glory in the cross. The hymn uh, Beneath the Cross of Jesus ends with these two lines. It says, my sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. Another hymn said, glory, glory, everlasting be to him who bore the cross. Let's see the glory in the work of the Lord Jesus and make it our goal to be those who glorify him for it and find uh, his um, boast of the cross and see the glory in Christ's saving work. So wonderful to see that's what the hour was for the Lord Jesus. It wasn't an hour of despair, it was an hour of glory. Thirdly, it was an hour of judgment. Verse 31, the Lord Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The Bible commentator Nixon says, as strange as it is to talk about the cross being glory, it is strange also to talk about it being judgment. But it is judgment. It's judgment of this world. And the Lord Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. It's an interesting thing if you uh, study the judgments in scripture. Most of us tend to talk of a day of judgment and God has the day of judgment. But actually that's not technically true. There are seven judgments in scripture. The first judgment is this one. When the Lord Jesus is going to die on the cross for our sins and the world is going to be judged. The second judgment is the judgment believers have in their own lives over themselves. Paul said this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you would judge yourselves, you would not be judged with the world. In other words, when you examine yourself and you see that you're going wrong, you judge yourself for this. And you say, look, you know, I'm not doing right here. I've got to get myself in line. That's the second type of judgment in scripture. The third judgment is the beam of seat judgment when Christians will stand before God's throne to be judged for their works for their works not our sins our sins have all been paid for in full not in part by the Lord Jesus Christ so when we die and go to heaven God won't be there waiting for us with a big stick to get even with us for a few things that we were bad on when we're back on earth remember Jesus said on the cross it is finished and the bible says there is therefore now no condemnation not less condemnation no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus aren't you glad about that (laughs) as you go home tonight it's good news but we will be judged for our works and 1 peter 1 17 says our works will be judged and we will receive a reward for them so that's the third judgment when at the rapture of the church the church will be judged that's spoken of Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 as well. Then we have the judgment of uh, the Gentile world at the time of the second coming, the Matthew 25 sheep and goats judgment, uh, where the Lord will judge the world according, in that passage, how we have treated his brethren. Many people believe that's a reference to the nation of Israel and how the Gentile world have responded to Israel. And uh, in that passage then, we will, the Gentile nations will be judged. 
The fourth, that's the fifth one, is the judgment of Israel, spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 20, when God said he will make them pass under his rod uh, at the end of the tribulation. And then the sixth one is, um, has gone from my mind, (laughs) Uh, but the seventh one is the great white throne judgment at the end of time, when uh, the unsaved dead appear before the great white throne and that's not a throne that you will stand before because oh, the sixth one is the judgment of angels that's right judgment of angels spoken of in 1 corinthians chapter 6 and then the last one is the judgment of the unsaved dead in revelation 20 before the great white throne judgment so seven judgments in scripture And this is the first one. And in a sense, there's a way in which it's the most important because it's the judgment of the world and the sins of the world which Christ is going to die for on the cross. But in that death on the cross, he is going to judge not only the sins of the world, but the ruler of this world. And who is the ruler of the world? The Greek word is the word archon. It's the word for a prince. It's the word that we use to describe Satan. And Satan is going to be cast out of his position and power by Jesus' death on the cross. I always remember old Adrian Rogers saying, on the cross, the light of the world put the prince of darkness out of business. (laughs) And that's gloriously true. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was judgment on the world because of sin. And it was judgment on Satan, the king, the ruler of this world, by which he loses his power Uh, and dominion, his keys of death and hell and everything by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what an interesting perspective on the cross. The cross is an hour of judgment and it's not just something that's going to happen in the future, it's something that's going to happen in a few days time when Christ died at Calvary. I wonder tonight, are you glad the world has been judged and the sins of the world have been judged on Jesus Christ and you can be forgiven tonight by his saving work for you. I wonder if tonight you're glad Satan is no longer the true ruler of this world because he has been cast out and the Lord Jesus by his death and resurrection has now claimed the victory over him. You know in a few days time everybody's going to be celebrating Halloween. They're going to be manifesting which world they're a part of. Those of us who are Christians we're going to be manifesting a different different world. We're going to be showing that we're children of light rather than children of darkness. Whose world are you a part of? And then finally we see the hour of the cross is an hour of gathering. In verse 32 to 33, the Lord Jesus said, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This, he said, signifying by what death he would die. The Lord Jesus spoke of his death here in two words, lifted up, lifted up. Now physically we can see that is true. He was physically lifted up off the ground when he was nailed on the cross and it was, the, the gibbet was lifted up into the air. But it was a lifting up by God as well for the purpose of saving and drawing. 
This is something the Lord Jesus spoke of in chapter 3.14 when he spoke of the bronze serpent to Moses and he said like the bronze serpent was lifted up in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up. In chapter 8 Jesus spoke about his being lifted up there as well. But here it's for the purpose of drawing all peoples to himself. Isn't that an amazing thing? The Lord Jesus is going to draw all people. I heard about a man who went to a Jewish synagogue and he said he was fascinated how they began the synagogue service because they they get the Torah scrolls, the scrolls of the law of Moses, out from a big cupboard at the end, uh, what they call the, the, the ark. And they open it up and they take these scrolls out and they're not as reserved as you lot are. They get the scrolls out and they hold them up and all the people came and danced around the scrolls. That's how they celebrate the coming out of the law of God. And he thought to himself, you know, they lift up the scroll. What is the scroll of the law of Moses? It's the word of God. What a picture, the Lord Jesus. If I am lifted up, the word of God, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Well, that's what he was going to do when he died on the cross. It was going to be the beginning of his drawing of people. And even on the cross, a thief was going to be saved. And a centurion. And the wheels were going to start turning for tens and hundreds and thousands. And a number that can't be added up to start being drawn to the Son of God. So many to him. I will draw. And I love the fact that he says, I, if I am lifted up from this earth, from the earth. He's stressing the fact, it's not the cross, it's not the wood. You know, we don't worship the wood of the cross. Muslims think that we worship the cross, but it's the saviour on the cross. It's the saviour who is drawing men to himself. And I love his power. He says, if I am lifted up, I will draw people to myself. You know what that is? That's that effectual call we were talking about theologically the other day. You know, the call of God, drawing sinners. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I've drawn you with cords of love to myself. It's amazing, isn't it? And the Lord Jesus said he would draw all peoples to himself. Now don't get the idea that all people means everybody in the world is going to be saved. It doesn't. But all people means all types of people are going to come to him. And in fact, in this chapter, chapter 12, back in verse 20, we see the Greeks coming to Jesus. And uh, they come, we want to serve as we would see Jesus. And people from other nations are starting to show interest in the Jewish Messiah. Even Caiaphas, earlier in this chapter, said, don't you understand? The whole world is going after him. And they were. It was just the beginning. He said, I'm going to draw all people to myself. And so the Lord Jesus is gathering people from this moment on to be his precious redeemed people. And what a powerful thing the lifting up of the cross was. And you know what? Therefore, we ought to lift up Christ in the preaching of the cross so that others may be drawn to him. I love that story of Gypsy Smith, the evangelist, when he was a Salvation Army man, and it's good to have one here tonight. You know, he was uh, coming to the end of a commission in a particular place, and he went back to see his commander back at the base, and they said, well, Gypsy, said, where would you like to go next? All sorts of lovely places to go to be stationed. You know what Gypsy Smith said? He said, send me to the place closest to the bottomless pit you can find. 
because I want to go there to win souls for Jesus. What a heart for the lost. And you know what? That's what you and I should have too. Because the Lord Jesus is gathering sinners to himself. Maybe he's even going to gather somebody to himself tonight. I hope and pray he will. Because whilst this was the hour of the cross for the Lord Jesus Christ, tonight is the hour for you. And you know what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6? It says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And if you've not yet put your trust in the one who died on the cross for your sins, I urge you to turn to him and ask him to be your saviour even tonight. We praise the Lord for the cross and glory in it together. Let's sing our final.